Oh, so you like listening to podcasts, huh? Well, so do a lot of people. As a matter of fact, millions of listeners are tuning into podcasts every week, and your next customer could be one of them. Did you know that podcast advertising is one of the most effective ways to advertise your product or service? And it's really easy to get started. Just go to podbean.com slash brands. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N dot com slash brands to start boosting your business with podcast advertising today. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, where your source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development, where we share original research, explore industry trends, and interview executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We hope you join us often for practitioner-oriented content around all things related to leadership, HR, talent management, organizational development, and change management. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Please subscribe, leave a review, comment, share, and consider supporting the podcast on Patreon, even at the producer and sponsorship levels. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Micah J. Wanjun Kessel about leveraging a sense of belonging to shape an organization's bottom line. Micah J. Wanjun Kessel, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thank you, John. Really happy to be here. It is a pleasure to be with you. You're joining us from the Virginia area. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. Today, we're going to be talking about leveraging a sense of belonging to shape an organization's bottom line. Now, there's tons of research on this sense of belonging, meaning, and purpose um, in the work that you do in connection with the people you work with. It's huge. It has huge impacts on productivity, innovation, other bottom line outcomes for organizations. So there's a clear business case for all of this, as you know, as indicated, you know, just through how I introduced the topic. But there's clearly a, a huge human case for all of this as well. Uh, the fact of the matter is, sense of belonging fulfills a really deep and important human need, a social need that we all have. Uh, and so, as leaders, if we can really embed that. Uh, and then leverage that within our teams, within our organizations, it's going to make a big, big impact, a big, big difference for how we do the work that we do. So that's what we're going to be exploring together today. And I'm super excited for that conversation. As we get started, I want to share Micah's bio with everybody. For nearly two decades, Michael J. Wanjun Kessel has designed empathetic experiences, applying research on the science of emotions, pioneering behavioral design in the Netherlands. He advised on experimental concepts with organizations such as Google, Disney, Microsoft, and projects for flourishing across social divides with the Finnish and Swedish governments and the Diabetes Fund. Now, Micah is emotion-centered design lead at one of the world's top emotions research neuroscience labs, IAS Lab, a Northeastern University. He is also executive director of Playground of Empathy Playground, which is developed in collaboration with the lab director, Dr. Lisa Feldman Barrett, who has revolutionized the world's understanding of how and why the brain 
creates emotions. Under Micah's direction, Playgrounds team is a winner of the Harvard Culture Lab Innovation Fund Award in 2020, granted by their Joint Council of Diversity, Inclusion, and Belonging, and has since shared the Walk in My Shoes experience with over 50 organizations, including the National Association of Diversity Officers in Higher Education Conference, the Black and Design Conference, and for thousands at the Boston Museum of Science. Micah has presented his work at the Society for Neuroscience and Creativity, the Spectrum Conference for Founders of Color, and was a SOCAP scholar and a Byron Fellow. So many amazing, wonderful things that you do that you've accomplished in your work and in your life and in your career. It's a pleasure to be with you, Micah. Anything else you would like to add or share with my listeners by way of your background or personal context before we dive on into the conversation for today? Um, no, I would just want to accent how how much I agree and believe that you know, a change in a, a shift in empathy in our in our organizational cultures is not about a slight improvement. It's about a paradigm shift that would massively change the way that we look at approaching work and the way that people find purpose and a sense of belonging at their organization. So I'm so excited to talk about that topic with you today, John. Excellent, excellent. And let's let's start there. So I, I mentioned this immersive experience in your bio. Uh, tell us a little bit more about that, the history behind that, and really how that helps organizations gain empathy through walking in the shoes of marginalized employees. Yeah. So, I, I mean, the idea of, you know, wanting to walk, the, the product is called Empathable. Let's start there and just say that Empathable is about finding pathways through empathy by walking in the shoes of others. And this concept of walking in other people's shoes is something that has been spoken about or touted by you know, Biden and Michelle Obama at inaugural speeches. It's been probably talked about for hundreds of years conceptually. We think that it needs to happen experientially. We actually need to be able to experience walking in other people's shoes in a deeper way. Now, of course, scientifically, you'll never be able to know what it's like to be someone else, right? And and we we need to make that clear from the very get-go, right from the get-go. But having the experience of seeing how society treats us differently and being able to say, oh, normally in this situation at work or, you know, talking to a colleague, I'd be, I'd say this thing and I'd get this sort of reaction, but this other person is getting that sort of reaction. That is a palpable way of understanding each other's experiences. And so we think that this scaled out is a very, very powerful tool. And first it started in a giant sparkly shoe, literally in a giant shoe, 10 feet tall, five feet wide, 12 feet long. And you could walk inside and you can see what it's like to walk in the shoes of someone different from you, right? And when you did that, certain things would be happening emotionally. And because of our lab and our neuroscience team, we were measuring those results, right? So we had neuroscientists go through this experience. We measured heart, sweat, and temperature. And what we noticed was that the result of them going through this experience was, and I quote, more like watching a football game than going through a bias training. And that was a moment of, a light turning on for us. It was a moment of delight, but it was also a moment of the light turning on in our minds because we realized what would organizational leaders prefer to be doing, going through a bias training or watching a football game. And what we mean by that is not necessarily literally watching a football game, but competing, building a competitive organization. Organizational leaders are hired to build competitive organizations. And how do you compete well? You do so by retaining your best players. And so the idea of creating an evocative walk-in-my-shoes experience through Empathable that helps 
organizational leaders and organizations at large retain their best people at a time of the great resignation, we saw as something that needs to be approached in a revolutionary way. And that's what we started doing. So, you know, the history of this experience is embedded in that moment of realization that immersive learning can do that. And since then, we've shared it with organizations like Deloitte, Altria, Ford, Cisco. We've gotten to work with Fortune 50 companies, but also really small nonprofits. And what we've realized after 10,000 participants is that this is a, a space that needs a lot of innovation in order to be effective. Yeah, well, good. And and you've already started to talk about it a little bit, but you, my next question in relation to what you just shared is, you know, really what you've learned about teaching organizations empathy and belonging that's different from all the stuff that's out there. So, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, it's a big hot topic. Most organizations are trying to do something with it. Um, a lot of it tends to kind of get stuck in the awareness, you know, stage, right. And just having conversations about why it's important. Um, Mm -hmm. what, what are you doing? That's a little bit different and how are you extending that? Yeah. Thanks for asking that. I would say that first, I'll just quickly say how we got to what we know, because what we do know is pretty different than what a lot of people are talking about, but how we got there is first of all, from sharing this experience with 10,000 participants. Um, I've had over 300 one-on-one conversations with diversity directors, chiefs of diversity, but also HR directors and leaders of organizations in the last year and a half. That's probably some sort of Guinness record of one-on-one conversations where I've been asking the exact same question every time, which is what is your biggest problem when it comes to creating inclusion and belonging? And the answer I've gotten by and large is we're giving people the facts we're giving people the statistics and we're giving people the trainings, we're not actually seeing them apply the knowledge, right? So as a nation, by and large, we're hearing people talking about how they're not applying the knowledge of inclusion and belong to actually create inclusive environments. Why is this happening? Well, one thing to consider is that 75% of programs talking about inclusion and belonging, and you're probably aware of this if you've been in one, they use negative messaging, right? Most programs are using negative messaging to get their point across. I don't know, John, how likely you are to change your behavior when someone's giving you a negative reason to or being negative with you, but it's not very likely for most people. Most are using bullet points and statistics. These are failed attempts to educate. As I often say, they're fine ways to pass your LSATs or your MCATs, right? But they're not great ways to learn and change behavior. They're great ways to pick up information and lose it shortly afterwards. What does happen is that these programs create a lot of internal defensiveness and pushback, Right? So people are not necessarily expressing that they're not adopting and adapting this information, but they aren't, and they're actually having defensiveness. And a lot of the organizations are really relying on testimonials, which I think are ineffective ways of showing what's happening. What needs to change, what's different about Empathable, about the work that we're doing at Playground of Empathy, is that we believe that the pathway to change is inspiring people. We should be celebrating our differences. These are things that enrich our lives. If you've ever lived in a different country, right, or had interactions with people different from you in a meaningful way, it is a celebration of the ways that we're different. So applying empathy and creating curiosity and positive relatability, relating to people in a positive way, happens through inspiring people. And you can do that with point of view, immersive media that is designed to change viewpoints gently. Right. So that's what we're looking to do. Change viewpoints gently with immersive media. And we meet people where they are. We're probably the only program in the world that doesn't tell people that they're right or wrong, doesn't actually tell people what to think. We don't correct people. We let them come to the conclusions at their own time and their own pace, because this is actually how we learn best. 
And we make sure to prove through data. So, you know, 90% of people who go through this experience report feeling more empathy towards their colleagues, uh, more belonging with their colleagues. There's an increase of 35% in comfort discussing race, gender, and sexual orientation. And by and large, a really dramatic increase in team connection. You know, some people think, wow, this felt like more like a team building than, a, than an inclusion training or than an empathy training. But I think the thing that we're learning is that this is how the isms are curable, right? Racism, sexism, genderism, and so forth. We don't talk about them in this country as something that needs to be cured, but I think we need to start doing so. We once cured typhoid, right? We once got very close to curing polio. And there are people who work in cancer research in, you know, in marketing, they work in fundraising, but there are also researchers and doctors working on a cure. We need to be looking at the isms as something that can be curable. And the way that we do that is exposure to difference, right? As I mentioned, it's that friend in high school, it's that roommate in college, it's someone different from you that you build a meaningful amount of exposure with, amount of connection with, that helps you change those viewpoints. So that's how we create that exposure to difference by having people walk in the shoes of each other experientially. And that's really the best yeah. way you know how. Yeah. yeah. I, I love it. I love it. And I love using empathy. I love inspiring people towards change. As you said, most people aren't going to change when fear-based tactics or accusatory language is used. People get defensive <clears throat> uh, when that happens. And yes, you, you asked the question a few minutes ago, uh, you've, pro- you know, you, you said you've probably been in those types of situations or m- maybe you've experienced that. And absolutely. And I can remember one in particular where it was so counterproductive, like the, the intention of the meeting was fantastic. Um, the impact of it, the effect of it was retrenchment and, um, people were upset and it didn't actually accomplish any of the goals. It just made things worse. And that's, you know, certainly what we don't want to have happen, right? We want, we want to gently encourage people, uh, to move in the right direction and to actually apply what they're learning in a meaningful way that's going to change the way they relate with people. And it's, it, especially when we're talking about all the isms, it's, it's a really hard, those are hard conversations to have if you're coming at it from an accusatory kind of a, a posturing, right? Absolutely. Empathy is hard to create, but it's easy to experience. I got to be the keynote speaker at a conference in San Francisco for pensions and investments. So I've, I've talked to a lot of finance people in the work that we do. We work with a lot of finance organizations. And um, at this conference, I, was, I got to be a keynote speaker. And, and the day I was kind of preparing final notes in this talk, and I was sitting in San Francisco out in Hayes Valley, and there was this guy, um, business guy who was wearing a suit. I think he had a military background. He was talking to an unhoused person, a homeless man. And he was talking to him about why he should move out of the city and there were, you know, he was trying to be an encouraging, nice person about it. And, and I, he said something to this homeless man that I ended up putting in this presentation, which was, he said, hey, man, you know, you won't know what it's like to live in a different place in San Francisco until you get out there, because experience is the best way we figure things out. And I thought, that's, that's really what it comes down to. We're not going to learn how to treat people in a more inclusive and empathetic way by being told to, we're going to learn how to, by experiencing it, you know, and the companies that know how to do that are just, they're winning every time. Check out my new book, the future leader, creating and transforming 
Xgen organizations. Stemming from two decades of professional experience and over 600 in-depth interviews with executives, thought leaders, and scholars from across the globe, the future leader will help you explore the ordinary, everyday actions that will help you to prepare to lead in the future of work, to respond to an uncertain future, and to produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Academy. Courses, micro-credentials, and certificates to upskill and reskill for the future of work. All HCI Academy courses, micro-credentials, and certificates are designed, developed, and delivered by award-winning and internationally renowned scholars, educators, thought leaders, executives, and practitioners. Our courses, micro-credentials, and certificates will help you make your mark on the future of work and make an immediate impact in your organizations. Check out the HCI Academy and our many course offerings and certificates to upskill and reskill for the future of work. Check out our new weekly LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital, exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us. Yep. Yep. And actually that gets to the next, the next point, but right now we're in the middle of what people have termed the great resignation, the great reset, the great reevaluation, whatever, you know, however you want to frame it. The reality is it's a tight labor market. It's hard to um, get good people. Companies are having uh, challenges in retaining good people. Uh, How can all of this, this approach, um, towards greater empathy and, and promoting belonging and that sense of belonging, how can that help as we're trying to attract and retain great talent in this current context? Yeah, you you couldn't be more right, John. I mean, just to frame it, right? We're 2021, 57% national turnover, 57%, right? 25% of people who left their jobs did so voluntarily, So a quarter of the United States, according to the National Bureau of Labor Statistics, left their jobs voluntarily. We are actually in a low-key crisis. And then remarkably, but also not remarkably, or I should say notably, but not remarkably, Black employees are 30% more likely than white employees to leave their companies, according to a study by Cokewell. Right. And then this year is not going to be different. Projections from Microsoft's global study were that I think 41% of the workforce is considering to leave their current employers. So this is, this is, these are the companies that leaders are leading. These are the companies that investors are investing in. These are the companies that we work at. And at the same time, the diversity and inclusion space in 2022 has increased 35% in the last two years. 80% of organizations are planning on increasing their budget and their resources towards DEI in 2022. So more than ever, companies need a, a assurance that DEI programs are going to have a positive return on investment in the work that they're doing. And the problem is, in the last 30 years, according to a study by Harvard Business Review of 829 companies, we're seeing that diversity and inclusion is actually having very little positive effect in the average workplace. So this this is like the space that we're finding ourselves in. How does that impact, how does that connect to empathy? 
and a lack of empathy? Well, about 97% of employees, according to Sherm, believe empathy is essential for a healthy workplace culture. Right? We know that t- toxic cultures are 10, per, uh, 10 times more likely to predict turnover, right? Employees at low-scoring empathy companies are twice as likely to leave. But what happens when empathy is done well? So we talked about what happens when it's done poorly. When it's done well, there's over a 50% increase in job performance. Again, according to Harvard Business Review, right? There's a 50% drop-off in turnover. And actually, there's a 75% reduction in sick days. And I love that fact because it shows that this is not people faking being sick. This is showing that there's a biological health real health improvement to when we have empathic work cultures. So we need to be able to make this connection. We need to be able to realize this is, this is where we're finding ourselves now. And the irony is of 250 companies interviewed by Business Solver, 87% of their CEOs said empathy supports their company's bottom line, but 90% of the employees in those companies said that they felt their empathy was undervalued. Right. And that that is something to really laugh at and shake our heads at. Right. We know empathy is really important. We know laugh and cry at the same time. Right. We know this is hyper important and this is the paradigm shift that will change the future of our businesses. But we have to understand that we're not necessarily going to do it just by talking about it. And so in order to do so, I think one of the best things we can do is help leaders quantify the benefits financially of applying empathy well and show them how to do it and help their CFOs and their COOs understand that this is going to show up on their revenue reports. It's going to show up and their boards are going to care about this stuff so that the investment is being made into programs that are measuring scientifically and teaching empathy experientially. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, and you talked about Empathable. So maybe we, as we wrap up today, uh, you can tell us a little bit more about what leaders can do using, you know, things like Empathable to help increase uh, in empathy to positively impact retention and just make your work environment a better place. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I, I mean, with Empathable, again, our team of scientists and psychologists and designers have really been analyzing organizations and markets from the get-go, right? So we'll work with an organization's leadership and we'll come into meetings knowing for the size of their company, how much are they losing every year in the delta between lack of retention of their proxy, which nationally across industry is white, straight, middle-class men, right? And everybody else. So let's take, again, according to Harvard Business Review, a company, a 10,000-person company that's having the retention rates of today is losing about $50 million a year. Okay, so, you know, a company that we're looking at of about 10,000 people is going to have a retention rate, and this is a specific example, of, in one case, you know, 13% of white men is what they're losing per year. And then, so that's their turnover. And 27% of everybody else, including white women, people of color, people in the LGBTQ plus community. So that 14% delta, right, between white men and everyone else is going to calculate at an average salary of about 80K, right, and about six months costs of rehiring. We're talking about a 16 to $20 million loss annually, just on that delta. And just to be clear, that delta is not 
because of better job opportunities. It's not because people are changing locations. That's already captured in the first 13%. The delta is just a lack of inclusion and belonging. So we will quantify with you and for you exactly what you're losing every year in not having empathy being experienced properly, right? And, and taught in an experiential way. Then what we're going to do is implement the program and show you measurably in pre and post measurements of people going through the program in a, in a test group, essentially, in a group of, let's say, between 20 and 300 people at your organization, how applying these walk-in-my-shoes experiences on a daily basis are going to bring up your empathy and belonging score and show that all of the areas where you're lacking in inclusion and belonging and empathy are changing just through a set of one or two or three experiences, And then we're going to scale it out. And the difference between that phase two and that phase three and that phase two, we're working with a small group. It's very involved, right? We're making sure that they're going through a 90 minute experience of walking in other people's shoes. But by the time we scale it out, this is going on your iOS and Android device. It's going to be, you know, on your desktop, two to three to five minutes a day, right? So imagine if every employee at your company, instead of going through costly trainings that happen once a quarter, are able to open up their phone and go through a three to five minute experience per day where they're walking in one person's shoes. You know, considering this world is on TikTok and Instagram and we're watching three minute video clips of news and things like that every day, I think that everybody at a company at least twice or three times a week can walk in someone else's shoes for that short amount of time. And that is exactly what our space is missing. One-off trainings are not going to change behavior. It's like trying to say we're going to win a marathon by getting out of your house one day and running 20 miles all at once. It's a great way to end up at the chiropractors the next week, right? Whereas if we're able to go through short experiences on a regular basis, that is how we change habits. That's how we build good habit formation. So that's what we're offering, right? Is really an understanding of how can we look at the delta between your lack of retention of non-marginalized and marginalized employees And then how can we apply a program that is scalable and that everyone's going to want to do because it inspires you instead of tells you what to think. It inspires you to see different perspectives. And by doing so, you're going to see your empathy and belonging score improve. And we're going to show you over the course of a year and two years and three years, how you're going to have a measurable and quantifiable improvement in your attention that you can put on your spreadsheets and that you can show your board. And of course, you know, money saved is not necessarily going to be a PLNL item for your CFO because maybe they're going to think it's nice to lose a 180K employee and replace them with an 80K employee. But your COO and your CEO and your culture people know that that's going to ruin your team. You're going to lose your best people and you're going to have to explain to your board why you're not meeting your retention strategy of qualified people of color, women, and LGBTQ plus employees, right? So You can even measure your own, right? If you're listening to this as an organizational leader, go ahead and measure the Delta yourself. But in terms of implementing a program with social scientists and experiential designers, that's really going to help people gain that understanding in a scalable way. That's where I think we're doing something that's really different than anybody else. What what I'm really excited about at Empathable. Yeah, it's fantastic. And all of the the data-driven, the science-driven approaches, I think, are, are hugely needed in this space. Uh, not to say that there there hasn't been a lot of study in this space and that people are trying to do evidence-based practices uh, because I think there's a, a lot of well-intentioned um, consultants out there that are, 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 you know, doing the best they know how, but you're, you're, what you're uh, describing, I think is a, a, a leveling up of our capacity and our ability to do this in a really meaningful way, in a measurable way. 
uh, in a way that, again, coming back to what I said at the very beginning, um, where we can not only address the business case, clear bottom line benefits for every organization to, to focus on belonging, sense of belonging and empathy in organizations, um, but also, you know, the, the real human outcomes of all of this. And so ultimately, uh, this, it's a win for, for everyone in the organization if we can do this better. Empathable is a great way to go about doing that. Uh, Micah, it's been a pleasure chatting with you to learn more about this. Before we wrap up for today, I just wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can connect with you, find out more about your work, your team, uh, and then give us a final word on the topic for today. Absolutely. Thank you, John. Um, the best way to reach out to us is to go to empathable.com. And it's spelled just like you probably would spell it, right? Empathable. So E-M-P-A-T-H-A-B-L-E.com. And, um, you know, reach out to us and we'll schedule a conversation and we'll be happy to look at your company's metrics and, and start that process in a way that you can take to your leadership and show them, look, this is the quantifiable change that we think we can make with this organization through short experiences over the course of time. So that's the best way to reach out to us, empathable.com. And the final word I would say is that in a world where all of the topics on identity and standing up for the rights of others could not be more important. I think that we're an organization that's taking a different approach and that's not to invalidate any other organization's approach. We honor and we acknowledge the approach of talking about the problems that are happening, of being critical, of teaching those, those issues and, and facing those challenges. But I think that in the way that variation is something to be celebrated, it is important that we as an organization, that Empathable as an organization says, we are here to inspire people. We are here not to talk about the problems, specifically us, right? But to bring wonder, a sense of wonder and a sense of curiosity and a sense of celebration about the way that we are diverse and about the way that we can include each other and be empathic towards each, towards each other, towards each other, because that's what makes great organizations. That's what helps leaders compete is by creating a culture of inspiration. And that's what we can do together. So we dare to be different in the way that we dare to approach inclusion and empathy through inspiration and joy and wonder and empathy. I love it. I love it. Thank you, Micah. It has been a real pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Micah and his team can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership, the journey of becoming a truly remarkable leader. Early in my adult life, I learned about an Asian proverb that translates as bluer than indigo. If you think about the color indigo, it is a brilliant, deep, and vibrant blue, what some would call the bluest of blues. To have something that is bluer than indigo is rare and truly remarkable. Contrary to popular myth, there is no one-size-fits-all or cookie-cutter approach to effective leadership. There is no silver bullet, no secret sauce, no go-to model that will solve all of your problems. The truth is, great leaders have all had their unique strengths and flaws and have all had to discover and then pave their own distinctive path in their life's journey to fulfill their leadership potential. 
Bluer Than Indigo leadership will help you discover your own path and explore those ordinary everyday actions that will help you respond to an uncertain future and produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations. Check out Human Capital Innovations magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free, interactive e-magazine with the mission to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We publish issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Take a look at the latest issue and let us know what you think. alchemy of truly remarkable leadership, ordinary everyday actions that produce extraordinary results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years with increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition. The average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Please subscribe, leave a review, comment, share, and consider supporting the podcast on Patreon even at the producer and sponsorship levels. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week. Are you the proprietor of a business selling shaving kits, meal packs, audiobooks, or anything else of the sort? Have you failed to tap the market of people who love hearing their favorite comedians talk about their boring lives? What's wrong with you? 57% of U.S. consumers listen to podcasts every month. That's a lot of ears that could be hearing about your brand. Go to podbean.com slash brands to learn how it do. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N dot com slash brands, and you could be the one talking instead of me.